0: What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh.
1: Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on The Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, you've got some capital and you want to acquire a business. How about a truck driving school? We've got two guests with us today, Bob Boniface and Tyrell Salter, who are now running TransTech Truck Driving School. That's a tongue twister for some of us. We'll hear how they got involved in the trucking game. We'll also have some small businesses of the month for you to be checking out, so stay with us. My name is Jeff Neuvel. I'm your co-host. I'm director of the Manufacturing Solutions Center in Conover, North Carolina, I'm joined by my co-host Gary Muller, who is Executive Dean of Economic Development and Corporate Education at Cataw Valley Community College in Hickory. Gary, how are you doing today? Jeff, I'm doing great.
2: we have had a great spring season for our baseball teams and our golf teams at Wake Forest. One won a national championship. Baseball team came one, sh- one run short.
1: One run short, but you had a fabulous season. Wake Forest Best baseball ever. team was like ranked number 1 throughout the year, yep. so congratulations on that.
2: We're excited about it.
1: And last week you did your Skills USA dance down in Atlanta?
2: Yes, and it was fantastic. And I guess as much as I love Wake Forest, I was happier for our CVCC skill students to do really well. We won four gold medals, two silver, and three bronze, the most of anybody in the country.
1: And how did you do in the dance competition?
2: I did well. Yeah. Cuz I didn't
1: Okay. Well, good for you. Yeah, you know, I, I suspect. You know,
2: I, my wife doesn't let me dance or sing in public. I, I would think that you two would make a very handsome dance couple. She's great. She didn't say anything about herself. It's okay. me that can't do it in public.
1: Okay. Well, I I I we're going to push you on that. We would <laughs> like to see some dancing from you at some point in time. Okay, we'll work on that. No singing though. No singing. Okay. Well, we're very fortunate today to have two guests with us uh, Bob Boniface and Tyrell Sulzer. Guys, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Morning. We appreciate you guys joining us. Thanks for having us. So, you're relatively young entrepreneurs. I say that because Gary and I are pretty old, but you seem to be <laughs> relatively young entrepreneurs. And uh, tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and how you met and. and Truck driving school. Why truck driving school?
2: And how they got here?
1: Yeah, and and you're, yeah. You know, we'll let you guys talk. We talk too much. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> yeah, sounds good. I can kick it off. Uh, so I grew up in Fernie, British Columbia, a little small town in the mountains of Canada, uh, western side of Canada. Um, kind of three things to do in Western Canada, and that's forestry, mining, or oil and gas. Uh, and so my my dad was in the mining industry. He said. Don't go into mining. <laughs> so I went to oil gas. I went and became a geological engineer uh, out of the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. I went to work for an ExxonMobil subsidiary mm-hmm. called Imperial Oil. Uh, they actually operate oil sands mines. So it ended up being a blend of the two. Uh, so I spent four years commuting from Calgary, Alberta, up to just north of Fort McMurray um, as a geotechnical engineer. Mm-hmm. So job role was, you know, kind of organizing operations crews, working with trucks, albeit a lot bigger <laughs> trucks uh, than what you see on the highway. Um, and then I went to business school, and, and that's where I met Bob. Uh, it's also where I met my wife. Uh, so it, it worked Good out great really combination. Well. Yeah, great combination. Uh, it's also where I learned about entrepreneurship through acquisition mm-hmm. uh, or the, the asset class called search funds. Uh, we can get more into that uh, later as well. But uh, you know, Bob and I decided to pair up, and we can talk about that too, uh, and pursue buying a, a blue collar business. Um, really, why we got into truck driver training. Uh, as I mentioned kind of in our in our preamble was we, in blue collar businesses we kept running this problem not enough CDL drivers staffing was an issue uh, so we said okay how do we go upstream of that how do we you know correct some of that issue perhaps there, there's a business proposition there what are the existing businesses working uh, doing that then we came across TransTech who is part of a, a sale process and we participate in that process uh, and we closed the deal on January 20th so we're uh, coming up I guess is like five and a half six months six months six months No. yeah, yeah. Behind the wheel, and, and Bob,
1: what's your background?
0: So uh, I'm from Detroit originally. Uh, I come from an automotive family. My dad's a car designer at General Motors, and his, his dad collected car old cars. Um, so I, I went to Vanderbilt for college, uh, moved back up to Detroit, ended up working in the auto industry. Um, found my way to General Motors as well. Was working in manufacturing finance there, so was overseeing the plants that make uh, pickup trucks and. Suburbans and Tahoes, uh, kind of across the U.S. I got one of them. You got one of those. Yeah. So yeah we was in charge of that plant from a financial standpoint. Um, but, uh, loved the auto industry, loved operational finance uh, I thought it was really cool getting to the plants mm-hmm. and working with the, uh, the line staff there to figure out how to make the businesses better. Mm-hmm. Um, figuring out how to move pieces around and people around to make it more efficient. Uh, so when I went to business school, I, I I was coming out thinking that I was going to go into back in the auto industry. Um, but uh, like Tyrell, came across this search fund idea. Um, you know, really resonated with me because you know I had already al- always had this entrepreneurial itch, but never felt like I had a good enough idea or the um, I'd say the, the fortitude or courage maybe to, to <laughs> pursue something from the, the, the ground up. Um, And so what we saw was it's still entrepreneurship because you're taking something that is, you know, a a working idea has customers, Mm -hmm. has cash flow. But there there is still there's there's so much that you can do to improve the business to really take it to the next level. Change it to take it to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and so that's what really intoxicated us with it. Um, And I I think it, it resonated with me because in the auto industry, in Detroit, as many kind of cities around the U.S., you've got a, a network of small business owners that have the ability to really, you know, kind of affect change in, in their, their small companies in a way that you don't really have in a big company.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so you know, you, you guys both seem to have uh, that entrepreneurial itch, you know, and, and you know, usually when people think about entrepreneurships, they're, they're thinking about scalable businesses and what that. So, so how did you guys arrive at, the uh, you know truck driving
3: yeah uh, so Search funds really, you know, it's based on a buyout model, right? So the idea is evaluate the cash flows and the stability of the cash flows of that model. Oftentimes put some leverage on it in order to buy it. Search funds kind of address this problem where uh, some businesses are subscale, where institutional money, you know, the private equity funds, the other buyout firms, they can't really reach down into that side of the market, of which there are tens of thousands of those businesses in the United States. Uh, Also, we're in a demographic shift where a lot of the founders of those original businesses are retiring. They may not have a successor, you know, completely lined up. So you have this market of sellers. You've got good businesses with recurring revenue cash flows and various other properties that are attractive. Um, So our our goal when we set out was we said, hey, we know there's a ton of businesses that are blue collar specific uh, that are maybe missing some of the technology. You know, software uh, still, you know, when we're talking about growing a business, obviously they they have some of the best trajectories from a valuation standpoint. But a lot of them have been picked over by growth equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, reaching down, kind of paying multiples on based on annual recurring revenue versus EBITDA multiples, like in the yep. blue-collar world, uh, means that a lot of smaller firms have already been seen. they brought a lot of the technology to them, being technology firms themselves. Mm-hmm. So why we chose kind of blue-collar we said, hey, look. We got a guy from ExxonMobil. We got a guy from General Motors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, why don't we put those two together and go buy a business that still has high quality cash flow, mm-hmm. but maybe is a little bit behind on this tech piece or was overlooked by some of those institutional players? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, like I mentioned, we looked at freight early on. There's plenty of freight, small freight, freight companies out there. Uh, plenty of you know, portage john companies, uh, waste management, like dirty businesses. We yeah. didn't discriminate on uh, the business model. Would
1: be uh, very tempting, you know, to get in those sort of things.
3: Yeah, we, we we talked to a couple hundred uh, business
0: owners mm-hmm. over the course of you know a couple months there. Uh, like you said, uh, scrapyards, uh, you know, a lot of oil field services. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we came back to kind of the, the, the truck driving uh, thing because this demographic shift on the trucker side as well. And, and you talk about scalable. You know, we had with TransTech, and we found that it was a, a eight branch. Now we're a, a ten branch operation mm-hmm. with the biggest trainer in the state of North Carolina. Uh, where we already have a, a winning model we've got a, uh, a curriculum that is really successful with, with preparing people for uh, becoming safe professional truck drivers uh, we've got a great great instructor staff we've got a great recruiting staff and so we think we have a model here now that uh, has allowed us to kind of break out of that that trap that you see with a lot of small businesses where you are subscale and you, you know, you're, you're spending so much time working in the business that you can't work you know on the business. Yeah. Um, we've kind of escaped that, that uh, you know, that escape velocity. And so now we can kind of, you know, plug and play. And, and now we can
3: kind of pick our targets in terms of markets in, in which to expand. Yeah. Very good. The the last maybe comment I'll have on that is I, I think we started looking at blue-collar businesses. And from the outside, CDL training seems like that. But it's actually an education business. Uh, and, and I think that's a lot more palatable because uh, one of the things that we look at in, in, in buyouts is, well, are the sellers just selling at a high? And so we saw a ton of freight companies last summer trying to sell because they right. knew spot rates were through the roof. You know, their cash flows are the yep. best they're probably ever going to look. And now we have a freight recession. Um, why education gave us a little bit more confidence uh, that we weren't buying some cyclical business uh, was really, you know, it's, it's bolstered by two two ends. One is the, the freight, Uh, companies that need drivers Mm -hmm. but also the students that need jobs so we were confident even heading into a recession as people retool and reskill to put food on the table we would still have business coming in so we weren't kind of you know one-to-one tied with the freight market
2: i think it's really important to say the education business as well as the trucking business because it really is that's
1: what you're selling that's not like something a person working for the community college would say gary yeah i'm sorry (laughs) all right it's it's true (laughs) And, and no, that's I'll, the good reason. I, I'm assuming, I, you know, I don't know what, a, what sort of uh, salary a truck driver can make, but I, I assume that they can do pretty well once they once they graduate from a program like it, this.
0: It is. I, we, in our minds, maybe we're a little bit biased, but it's the highest return on investment that you can have in education. Um, so, for example, mm-hmm. our, our program if, from end to end for a motivated student is about four weeks long um you know the average truck driver salary in North Carolina according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics is about $79,000 yeah. um and, and so like Tyrell mentioned we're in a, a a freight uh recession right now after the kind of this this hangover from the last couple of years of uh of the supply chain crisis um we're still being beat over the head from employers that are desperate for drivers so uh not only is it a a, a quick program with a stable job on the other side that pays really well uh, you know, you can go work for these big name companies, and you have a lot of options. I think that you don't have in other trades, uh, potentially.
1: So, so t- I guess one of the things that Gary and I have talked about before with people is, you know, when you're partnering with somebody, you know, there's got to be a nice level of trust there, and sometimes your goals might diverge somewhat. I mean, how did you guys? Come together, decide to be business partners, and have a degree of comfort that you are rowing in the same direction. Yeah, uh,
3: we did it methodically, and it might be the engineer in me, but uh, so between my first, second year of business school, I went and tried the investment banking route, and I kind of did a one eighty, and was like, "This is way too corporate." I miss the mine, I miss you know the blue collar. So I, you know, I was left with like, "Oh crap, what am I going to do with my career?" Uh, and then took the first class uh, of entrepreneurship through acquisition uh, at Harvard Business School. And that's where I met Bob. He was in the the same section. So, you know, you would make comments on the cases and and things like that. We didn't know each other, you know, super well. Uh, Our friend groups kind of, I guess, overlapped a little bit. but. You know, as you're considering that, uh, you'd be reaching out to other people that have walked the path saying, Hey, what business did you buy? Uh, You'd talk to other investors, you know, Hey, would you give me money if I started looking? Um, And so we started kind of swapping notes on who have you talked to? Who else, you know, because that's another way to get in touch with another investor or another searcher and gather more information. So it started kind of swapping notes with that. Um, And then kind of the the blue collar thesis developed as, okay, well, you know, the software thing doesn't feel like it fits my background. I think we both kind of came to that conclusion at the same time. There's also a financial incentive. The returns in the asset class would prove over time that partnered searchers do better together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so kind of the wisdom that's passed on from the professors is, hey, if you can get a business partner and you can align well on your skill sets, like seriously consider that. So I made a, a, a spreadsheet, uh, and I ranked myself on qualities that I thought I could do well uh, in operations and, and areas that maybe I lacked that strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I posed the same kind of survey to Bob. Uh, and then I also uh, downloaded a list of – It sounds like like a Tinder type thing. Right? Yes, <laughs> <Yeah. That's> exactly. <laughs> yes. forced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's wow. uh, a forced ranking. Yeah. What was good about that is I think we we had very uh, complementary skill sets, being finance background versus operations crew background, uh, and an engineer side. So the other thing I did is I downloaded a list of every city in the United States, over I think it was 250,000 people, and I ranked them from, yes, I want to live there. One, maybe I would do it for the right business, and three, absolutely not. Not. I had my wife do the same thing.
2: (laughs) That's important.
3: Yes, yep. trust me trust yeah and uh, and then I had Bob do the, the same thing and so we I think we had like an 80% overlap between the three of us because um, we didn't want to get stuck in a situation where we we're looking for a business yeah. and, and Bob's like you know I want to live in Detroit this looks like a great <laughs> business but I don't know i to live there right.
1: come heck or high water yeah, Right. Now, now I would think that some people Bob would say hey I've got a lunatic give me spreadsheets with all these questions apparently that resonated with you in some way
0: yeah I was looking for someone a little bit crazy okay
1: yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should have tried that. Or yeah. did we?
2: I,
0: I
1: think, you yeah, know, we, we, we came together in different ways. That's here. right. So I, yeah, they're a little bit more formal than we yeah.
2: are.
0: I, I, I think it was a good way to level set it, at least. You know, I, I, I um, you know, your, your comment on kind of make sure you're rolling in the right direction. I, I think that was a good way to, at least in table stakes, we're, we're thinking the same thing. You know, yeah. we like the same types of businesses. Here are what our base skills are. Uh, I would mention we also went on a, a, a ski trip. Uh, we went up to... Um, to stow yeah. uh, just for a weekend, just to make sure. Hey, can we tolerate each other yeah. and, and hang out and have fun outside of kind of business?
1: You did due you know? diligence on
0: each other. Yes, yeah, a little bit of due diligence. Yeah. yeah. So I guess
1: that worked out. Nobody, nobody, nobody broke anything. And yeah, no, then, it was you know, icy. It
3: was an icy
0: weekend up there, but yeah. that was more fun than the survey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, so so uh, you mentioned that uh, you use search funds, and usually when some sort of private equity is involved you know in, in in i guess our experience you know, you, you probably have some short term goals you might have some longer term goals that, you know are is you know, talk a little bit about your goals and you know is there some sort of end game where you get to a certain point where you might sell and move on to the next thing
0: yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think short-term goals and uh, what we focused on the last uh, six months or so, because we're at that six-month mark now, is a lot of cultural stuff. So, um, you know, buying a family business, buying any small business, you know, you're going to have to contend mm-hmm. with. Uh, it, it doesn't feel like you're working at you know, General Motors or Exxon Mobil. You, so you got to put in some policies, some rules, you know, how, how you're going to kind of interact with one another, because I think that really uh, sets the building blocks for, you know, being able to make it out into that kind of small to medium-sized business. Um, so that's a lot what we've been focusing on. Uh, I think short-term goals, uh, from, from here, you know, we want to continue to invest in the state of North Carolina. Um, I, I think we, we have a really dominant position here. Uh, and I think the, with the work that we've done on the, on the people side, you know, we're actively bringing in new people, talking to people that were already within TransTech, which is, which is great because, you know, what we had there was a, a lot of people had a lot of great ideas that were you know, easy for us to say yes to. So that, that, that was the easiest part in terms of long-term goals,
3: yeah, Yeah, and I'd touch on short-term. I think, you know, top-line sales, always something you want to evaluate. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of reconsidering the marketing strategy. Like, how do we interact with technology to target new customers Mm -hmm. and new students and those that are, how do we interact with them? Um, because I think, you know, one of the things, one of the magic parts about buying a, you know, family business for a retiring couple is they've done things the same way for a long, long time. time. So the cash flows you have are protected, but the cash flows for growth, you know, may require some new marketing tools, some, you know, maybe higher okay. spend on that stuff. So, um, short term, I think we've re- done a good job of reworking those as well. Long term, the the magic of search funds, I think, as opposed to private equity, this is the value prop to a seller uh, is we don't have a hold period the same way that a a private equity fund would. And, and, you know, if they're closing out their fund, got to liquidate the asset, close it out for us. We can, you know, have the flexibility to be more of an evergreen, uh, you know, holder, which Mm -hmm. I think a lot of small business owners value, uh, particularly if it's a family business. Mm -hmm. Uh, so for us, I think long-term growth strategy, uh, for us is really provide high quality CDL training across North Carolina first, and then kind of spread out into the Southeast. Um, As part of the investment, we had to research both the CDL training market but also the region. Uh, And the Southeast punches above its weight as far as a a logistics provider for America. So uh, we see a huge ocean uh, of students in front of us uh, as well, and we're just trying to navigate that, that small boat on the waves today.
2: Do you see growth coming from buying more businesses similar or diversifying
3: I think it, it, uh, the the growth or new branch strategy, yeah, probably a mix of both. I think one of the things that in state we notice is you've kind of already got a lot of the compliance infrastructure mm-hmm. set up. Uh, you know, you've got a relationship with the regulator, so in that case, organic growth might make more sense. You've already got the relationships with, you know, your your land guy. You know, mm-hmm. you the person who sells your trucks, etc. Um, ac- you know, out of state acquisition might be the way to go because they've kind of already set up the compliance infrastructure for that state. So. It's kind of how we think about it. Uh, Is it
2: dramatically different from state to state?
3: I
0: I would say it's probably 85% overlap. There are a couple things that you have to do on a state-by-state basis to comply. I I think typically the states that border each other usually look a lot uh, alike.
2: Like South Carolina. South Carolina. Pretty pretty similar.
0: Virginia, very very similar Similar. to, to North Carolina. Um, you know, in, in, I would mention also that, you know, there, there's a lot that we can do kind of, uh, maybe from a vertical integration standpoint. Um, you think about the way that we train students kind of online, we have a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, service providers on that side. We'd love to own that, that type of business as well, because I think that, uh, would just be an additional competitive advantage for a business like Transtech. Makes sense. Yep.
1: Yeah, you guys mentioned that you took classes on entrepreneurship through acquisition. Mm-hmm. You know, which, you know, when, when, when we think about starting businesses, I mean, somebody might have an idea, start from the ground up, do That's their right. own thing. You know, somebody might license, uh, you know, uh, an existing franchise or something like that, or or acquisition. I mean, did did you guys just? go down the road of acquisition as the way to go or do you contemplate starting your own thing or, or I,
0: yeah, I, I contemplated starting my own thing. I, you know, I, I, think I always had a, a, a vision of, of, wanting to start something. And I think the, the root desire of that was kind of the autonomy. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously there's a financial uh, piece of it. Um, but, you know, I, I think when you look at the I was very data driven by this, like, and I knew from my past experience, you know, the, the fact that it's, what is it, 90% of, uh, of, business, of small businesses eventually, you know, fail or yeah. something. like that. There's some crazy yeah. high statistics. I mean, not, not saying it's impossible because obviously there's a, a lot of very successful small businesses. Um, but I, I, I thought it would be a much faster way to get to the, the core goal that I was kind of solving for, which was that, that autonomy, you know, getting to work with people from kind of a management perspective. Um, so of taking something that's already in existence i thought was a much cleaner path and yeah. you know tyrell mentioned the, this handover de- demographically uh baby boomers own businesses to the tune of a couple million in in the uh, united states and we're gonna see the greatest wealth transfer in, in history in mm-hmm. the united states over the next uh you know decade decade or so um and if you think about the psychology if, if you're the kids of those those boomers doesn't always make sense. You, know, you don't want to run mom and dad's uh, scrapyard. Uh, you know, but for, for people that want that entrepreneurial uh, you know, control and the ability to run your
3: own business, there's a real match to be made there. And then one of the attractive parts of uh, the acquisition model is you're not having to re-contemplate the product or, or pivot in the same way. You don't have these big existential crises where if you don't get commercial traction, you're like, oh, my God, I've got to you know, change things around. Mm-hmm. We know CDL training is attractive. We know this business has been in you know business for thirty years, so the the value prop exists. It's about being creative around the you know off the shelf technology we can bring the the tools we've learned in kind of business school. So it feels like feels like a good fit for an MBA mm-hmm. you know to kind of step into yeah. uh, as well. But it's also a, a ton of learning uh, as well because we were not trucking experts. We were certainly not truck training experts, um, and, and certainly not even business experts. But we were you know engaged enough to say okay we can learn this business plug in some technology and we don't have to pivot we don't have to radically change truck driver training tomorrow to, and to you work things. hard we do work hard Yes. yeah it, I it, know it, you it, do. it is i say it's easier to get to the, the stage where you're
0: running a business it doesn't make it any easier than running a business you know i think it's just as hard as if, if you were to have, have started something because you still have to keep the ship afloat you yeah. know, you still got people depending on you to, to make the right decision so
2: this podcast is sponsored by jackson creative a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. um,
0: It is a a very difficult thing to run a business this size.
1: So, you know talk talk to a little bit about some of the challenges. I'm assuming this is the first time you guys have been at the top of the of the company. You know, as That's as right. co-CEOs, I think it is is yep. your 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 title and and you know, particularly coming into a family business with I'm sure a culture that was established, some good, maybe some not so good, uh that creates challenges for you guys. So, you know, uh, starting as first-time CEOs, what sort of challenges have you Run into and and obstacles have you run into? Well,
0: I would also mention that we're also the youngest employees in the uh, company, <laughs> so that, that <laughs> that's presents, always a
2: challenge. That
3: yeah. presents its own. own yeah, challenge. What do you guys so, know? Yeah, yeah so <laughs> uh, I, I think you know it's one of the first times you have to deal with uh, kind of disciplinary issues. Uh, you mm-hmm. have to deal with kind of setting the tone in the culture and like how you carry yourself. I think you know the the biggest change is going from uh, ExxonMobil, You have sixty thousand employees or something like that. You know you're a cog. You're not changing the bottom line. Really, any day yeah. <laughs> of the week. Um, and so how you carry yourself, it matters, but really only for your own career, not really for the company uh, mm-hmm. as a whole. And, and your actions matter to you and maybe kind of your immediate surroundings, but they don't, they don't challenge the profitability or, or anything like that. So I think you know we've, we've definitely spent more time thinking about, okay, well, and, and comparing it back to that. Like, because we know, you know the G, what's great about working at a GM or an ExxonMobil is, They've gone through all the, you know, HR policy creation. They've already gone through a lot of the, how do we hire people effectively? So a lot of times you're just pulling some of those processes in. Um, I think a lot of people roll their eyes when they hear HR policy and hiring process and those sorts of things. But I think it's actually a really good thing because it creates a fair playing field. Mm -hmm. And that's what people crave. And it doesn't matter if you're a white collar employee or a blue collar employee, people want to be treated fairly. Um, and, and I think that's something, you know, particularly in family business, I think you know, we got lucky. The culture was really good. We saw that you know, our instructors really cared about you know, yep. training students. Um, but I think in family business, you know, accountability is tough. It's tough when you're dealing with family members. Um, by having an outside party come in, set some of those ground rules, I think both the employees and even the, the inter-family dynamics felt more fair.
0: Yeah, I, I think from a policy standpoint too, and also the the message that after you have a couple of those disciplinary conversations with with people, um, people kind of understand. Okay, this is the bar. The bar is now uh, it's a it's a higher. You know, we, we got to carry yourself a little bit more professionally. Um, and I think you know, like Tyrell mentioned, like our employees are great, but a lot of them have been there for a long time, mm-hmm. and so they might only know kind of one way of, yeah. of kind of coming to uh, coming to work. So um, getting through some of that messaging was, you know, it, it, it takes. A little bit of time, some conversations, but I think, you know, we're, we're we are starting to see the, the benefit of that and it helps, uh, like Ty- Tyrell said, you know, level set everyone's expectations.
1: Yeah, when, when you first come in, you know, you're talking about a business that was owned by family for, for some time. And all of a sudden we got these, uh, these young guys <laughs> coming in that don't know anything about the trucking business and anything like that. I mean, how do you... I don't know, authority isn't the right word but how do you sort go of establish yeah, you know credibility is the right word of, of how do you how did you guys go about doing that
0: well it, it, it helped because the the old owners the the messages they chose us, you know? So, so the business was a a very, it was a very competitive process. It
1: wasn't like a hostile take. That's a a really good point. point.
0: But, but, but it it was important to say, you know, we were able to use, use the old owners and they were able to communicate as well. Like, Hey, this is why we went with them. And then, you know, we would have them in a couple times for going away, Mm -hmm. celebrations and things like that, invite them in. They were able to talk about, okay, this is how we uh, arrived at this decision to go with these two guys. Um, So that adds some credibility. But also, I, th- I think, you know, it's like it goes back to kind of how you carry yourself. You know, I, I think if we went in and acted like a couple guys who are 28 years old uh, with, with these guys who are in their 50s and been, you know, trained students for 30 years, you know, like that would kind of blow a hole in our credibility. But, you know, speaking confidently, maturely, you know, trying to be fair with everyone and not not pick favorites. Um, don't be over emotional. Uh, th- those are the types of things that seem simple and kind of, you know. Uh, uh, self-explanatory but you know it really does matter when you get into that position
3: and I think um, you know we spent in the early days a lot of time kind of frontline and this was the benefit of the partnership and so I recommend to any entrepreneur if you find a partner that works do it uh, because you know early days you're kind of first getting more look at, uh, in-depth look at the books you need the financials you got to do all those reporting things so bob spent a lot of time unwinding kind of what are the accounting processes how's payroll going out like you know cash management is the number one thing in the first 30 days uh, of a business so he was able to tackle a lot of that whereas i was able on the operation side to go up to those 10 branches drive across the state on a listening tour hey what's working what's not you know we heard, Hey, we need more communication from the top. Great. I can work on, you know, building kind of a weekly cadence of which, you know, here's the changes we're making that you guys had asked for, um, listening to some of that early feedback on, Hey, why can't we do it like this? And if it makes sense, implement it, show that you've implemented it. That builds a lot of credibility of finally someone's listening, you know, or if they Mm -hmm. felt like they couldn't speak at that time.
0: It it was interesting, especially in those early days, um, where you kind of, it was funny because I, I hadn't moved to North Carolina yet. So, we were, I, was, I was squatting with him and his wife at, at their apartment. And so we actually commute up to the office together uh, from, from Charlotte and, you know, use that hour to kind of talk about what we want to work on for that day. Uh, and then we would kind of break at the office, go work on our things, get back together for lunch, how's it going, then go back out for the, op- or for the afternoon and then re- regroup at the end of the day to drive home. And so being able to focus on two separate things, really dividing and conquering, um, I, I think that's the benefit of having a partner and you know um, emotionally also kind of you know, smoothing out some of those ups and downs like having someone to deal. having that
2: time going back and forth
0: yeah
2: i, I was going to ask the question and you just answered it obviously having a partnership you were able to do things and quicker yes and then you also had a sounding board yes to make it work and so that's sounds like a great formula. And one plus one. Of course, one. You, gotta, you guys got to get along.
3: Yes. <laughs> so yeah.
2: on a piece of paper, it sounds yeah. great. And obviously, you guys vetted yourselves yeah. Yeah. to some extent. And so it really works because if you're trying to do it by yourself, it might have been a little bit longer process.
3: Well, compared to so peers that have kind of walked this path uh, you know, in a solo fashion is the frontline stuff doesn't stop. You still have to you know, work the credibility, but you also have to understand the book. So the lifestyle that it, you know, it, it equates to is, okay, from my you know, eight to five, I'm doing the frontline stuff, but now from five to midnight, I've got to work through the book. So I think there's also just a you know, time component of that where it's a lot more sustainable when you can divide and conquer. Um, but you know, one plus one can equal three in this world, but it can also equal zero. And I think, you know, one of the things I respect about Bob is like, I think we, and I hope he feels the same way, but, uh, you know, we can kind of divide the line of like our, what's our house versus your house. And then kind of final decision on your side of the house, but still but you know, together,
1: yeah, it's, together, it's your house. Yeah. Oh, it's probably all captured on one spreadsheet at some point. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so as you guys look out into the future, do you, you see certain challenges and opportunities out there? I mean, every now and then we hear, hey, the trucks are going to be uh, autonomous. You know, uh, yeah. autonomous and we're not going to need truck drivers, which scares a hell out of many of us. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, what, what do you guys foresee out there?
0: The, on the self-driving thing, uh, you know, we, we had to deal with that a lot when we were thinking about buying the business. Um, most of the estimates say would be in the late 2030s at, at the soonest. Uh, To give you an example of how long it takes technology to get adopted in the trucking industry, it took them 20 years from when they they decided uh, automatic transmissions were better for fuel economy and for safety to then transition over fleets. uh, And that we're just now seeing the fleets are fully uh, automatic from a transmission standpoint. And that's just the transmission. That's not removing the driver. That's not Mm -hmm. putting 3.5 million people out of work. Mm -hmm. So uh, we we also see the fact that, um, you know, Truck drivers uh, are not just driving the truck. They're also doing maintenance. They're, you know, inspecting the, the loads. They're loading and unloading in a lot of cases. Fueling. Fueling the trucks. So we're, we're not too worried about about the self-driving thing, at least at this point. Um, it, it's out there. Uh, and, you know, I well, we could be proven wrong. But I think also coming from the auto industry, I've seen a little bit of kind of people promising on um, self-driving thing just to see it kind of peter out after a couple of years
1: well, i would assume there's lots of infrastructure issues there as well and that that you know thinking about replacing all the uh, assets that are out there at this point in time is it's got to be an incredibly expensive proposition it's Excellent. sort of like you know electric vehicle that's they sound great but you know until we have more stations for recharging it's yeah. going to be hard to get it adopted by by the the masses
3: well we think you know electrification and kind of this you know these technology aids that are coming into the cab actually make the the career more desirable Mm -hmm. uh you know somewhat taking the metal load off of of, you know truck driving and and having to shift and do these sorts of things you know i think that makes it a more attractive career along with the salaries also growing uh so we saw it from that perspective long way out don't worry about it and the market will change around it later that probably also requires more training to you know, operate those fleets. The,
0: the, the biggest challenge that we're trying to solve, really, and and I think the the biggest thing for the country that we're trying to solve is, is kind of reshifting and Gary talked about this before, but reshifting the uh, mentality around kind of trades as a career. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's been a really myopic focus on college as the one only path. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it sounds a little hypocritical coming from a couple college grads, but uh, you know, you do have a college costs. Uh, the, the payoff isn't there for a lot of students. A lot of students are, you know, dropping out midway or it's just, it's not a, a path that works for them. And I think in this country, uh, there is a huge alternative path that uh, we've kind of are rediscovering, you know, the HVAC, plumbing, uh, you know, uh, auto That's mechanics. what we're all about at
2: the community college. Absolutely. And we uh, talked about Nursing
0: assistants, it. yeah.
2: And you, you started talking about the return on investment for someone going through your program to what they can make. Mm. It's almost this, no, that can't be true. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a different lifestyle, but they can make really good money. Almost immediately,
0: ten years out from from CDL school versus college in the state of North Carolina, your salaries are higher if, if, you're, if you're a truck driver. It's it sounds almost too good or too crazy to be yeah. true, um, but it is.
1: Never. Well, as we, uh, we sort of wind down a bit, are there uh, any advice that uh, you guys have for aspiring entrepreneurs out there that uh, you can share?
3: Yeah, I I think one is capital is trying to figure out how to solve this big generational problem of of the churn of these small businesses. And so, you know, we're obviously biased having walked the path, but I think there is some kind of nobility in in it. And it's part of the capitalist system to be actually able to hand over some of these Mm -hmm. businesses, because frankly, if there isn't a successor, if there isn't new technology injected into them. Those businesses will die, uh, yeah. and their employees will be laid off, or, or and that'll create a, a huge challenge. So I think there is a call to action among you know millennials, Gen Z, to actually go out, find capital, develop the skills, and buy a small business. I think it's totally viable.
0: Yeah, uh, same thing. I, I, first, I would, I would say do it. I, I, I think you know it, it was Jeff Bezos has said uh, his psychology when he was starting Amazon was trying to minimize regret when he was on his deathbed. And so you know if you feel like you want to start something, you have this entrepreneurial itch. You know, you're trying to minimize the, the pain and regret in the future. Just do it. You'll be kicking yourself uh, otherwise. And then, like Tyrell said, you know, entrepreneurship doesn't have to be you know, changing the world uh, by starting the next Uber or, or starting something completely brand new. It can be taking something that's in your, your local town, uh, you know, a restaurant, a, a gas station, an oil change place, mm-hmm. and, and making it better, making it mm-hmm. on your own. So I, I think you'll get the same satisfaction out of that. You can, you can make it financially successful yourself as well.
1: Super. Well, Bob and Tyrell, we really appreciate you guys uh, joining us today. We 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 like to do a little lightning round uh, with our guests. If you guys are up for sure, it, sure, okay. Uh, this month the lightning round is sponsored by Prestige Worldwide. It's a global entertainment conglomerate and sponsor of the Catalina Wine Mixer. Check them out on the internet. Uh, so I got a few quick questions. You know, you, we'll let you both answer them. You can take turns. You're They're a lot you're, harder than ones they've been answering so far. Yeah. All right. So first question: What is your biggest pet peeve.
2: Now you know what I was saying.
3: <laughs> hmm. Biggest pet peeve. Uh, you know, I think as a manager, it's certainly inner company like gossip and things like that. I think that's, that's really tough. And so we try and you know, create a culture of, hey, let's, let's be professional. Let's come in. So that, that's a okay. pet peeve as a manager. Uh, at home, I mean, I've got a puppy at home. And so I literally have a pet peeve at home right now. Uh, so tra- <laughs> training a puppy, that's, that's my biggest pet peeve right now my
0: my biggest pet peeve at home I, I think especially during the summer is uh early morning uh leaf blowers I I, I I for some reason i feel like it's a bigger issue down here in north carolina maybe <laughs> cuz the summer just feels like it extends you know for for 10 months i think at the at the office um you know i we do have an open door policy at at, at our office but uh, those,
1: those pesky people keep using it yes yeah, <laughs> people that take advantage of it. <laughs> okay. so you know, uh-huh. but yeah uh, what is uh, what recommendations do you have for uh, pizza toppings? What do you prefer?
3: Italian sausage.
1: Italian sausage.
3: Yeah. I like I like mushrooms and green peppers. I like little vegetables on there. I don't know.
1: Where do we stand on pineapple?
3: <sighs> I'm for it. Leave it on the
1: trees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Okay, that's good. Um, what is your uh, go-to adult beverage? Coke. Uh, <laughs> I just thought <laughs> Not you, I Gary.
3: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I like a lager. Yeah. Just a lager? Easy yeah, yeah well, you have any preferences
1: days. or yeah. Yeah, it's like a cold lager? Yingling. Yingling okay. All right. Yeah. Man. Just simple man, simple taste. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I miss
3: being from Canada. I miss Molson. You guys you guys don't see as much of that down here. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with yeah, Molson. Yeah, yeah, Wilson, all right.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, Beatles, Rolling Stones, or Taylor Swift?
3: I'd go Taylor Swift, yeah. Okay. I would. Beatles. <laughs>
1: No, 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 it's a judge free zone here, okay? I mean, I've got a a daughter your age who would agree with you. My daughters would definitely go there.
3: She's a great uh, businesswoman. I believe that. That's exactly right. Uh,
1: All right. Last question. Mm -hmm. If you could have one superpower, what would it be?
3: Hmm. Predict the stock market.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See the future? Yes. Okay. Yeah, no, just stocks. Yeah. (laughs) Teleportation. Okay. Yeah, could put you out of business.
0: That's true. <laughs> All right. Put your airlines out of business.
1: All right. All right. Well, look, guys, we really appreciate you, you joining us. If people want to find out more about TransTech, where should they be looking?
3: Uh, our website, trans-tech.net. Uh, you can also hear us on the radio around Charlotte uh, now, but uh, or any of our branches where we have branches in Newton, Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, uh, Roxboro, Greensboro, and Greenville, North and Winston-Salem. Carolina, and Winston Salem. Yeah, and our, our phone number is eight five five CDL today
1: all right oh, cool okay well very good so uh, if you want to find out more about transtech you can do that if you want to find out more about becoming a truck driver i guess you can go there as well and you've got a lot of opportunities throughout the state
0: absolutely and if i can plug one one more resource on how to buy a small business there's a book called um harvard business reviews uh, guide to buying a small business written by two of our professors it's like 200 pages a good read tells you everything you need to know
1: Oh, fantastic Well, we always like to wind up the podcast by giving a shout-out to small businesses that we might have come across. I don't know if, uh, Bob Tarrell, whether you've got any uh, small businesses you want to give a shout-out to?
0: Uh, Two of my favorite restaurants here in in, in Newton, actually, Uh, Diane's Dairy Counter and Four Peas in a Pod
3: uh, over on US 7. I know them well. Great spots. Love them. Sure. I don't know the name of one, but I love the business model, the fuel polishing business. So uh, backup generators, et cetera, diesel generators required at certain hospitals, medical facilities. Uh, You have to turn the fuel over uh, every now and again, and they contract that work out. Great business model, you know, small, out of the way, recurring revenue. Love it.
1: Okay. Very good. Gary, what are you going to talk about this uh, month? Mine's
2: going to be like it always is, a theme of food. And I learned about it at uh, the last Chamber of Commerce board meeting. Taste Bud's Popcorn Just opened up in Hickory Taste Bud's Popcorn? Okay. Yes yeah. And it brought back memories to me When I was in the Specialty snack food Franchise business Many years ago Where we had Peanut shacks Cookie stores Coffee tea, tea and tin can alleys And that's when I got My first taste Of owning a small business Which that's turned out To owning Part of owning Ten of those Wow And so that was Interesting And I was about Your guy's age So that was about Ten years ago <laughs> Not Is that okay Jeff? Yeah Okay <laughs> And Tin Can Alley, which I mentioned, was a popcorn franchise. And what I learned is you need to sell a lot of popcorn to make money. <laughs> no I'm talking about a revenue model. Right. No. But they added candy and sweets to this store, so they're going to do well because it was a combination of all the ones I was
1: involved in. So it just brought back good memories, kind of like my baseball team. Okay, well, good deal. I was, I was going to give a, sh- a shout out to a company called The Wall Printer, which is a Wilmington, North Carolina-based company founded by a fellow named Paul Barron that won the 2023 Coastal Entrepreneur of the Year Award uh, recently. And uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with vertical printers, but there are printers that can digitally take uh, information and print these 20-foot murals on walls and whatnot. And Mr. Barron's, created this business. He's partnered with a company in Chinese China that actually manufactures these vertical printers. But basically, he's created a franchise business where he's working with other people to sell the equipment where they're going into certain territories and offering this as a service to businesses and towns and whatnot. So uh, I haven't ever seen a wall printer before, but it looked pretty cool. And if you go to uh, their website, which is it's wallprinter.com. You can learn more about them. But just sort of seemed to be a pretty interesting. Yeah, it's pretty business. cool. Yeah. So anyway, we uh, uh, you know you should check that one out. And if you've got a suggestion for the entrepreneur exchange small business of the month, you can email them to us at eexchange at the dot tv. And uh, if we use your uh, suggestion, we'll give you we'll give you a shout out and a prize pack. We want to thank Bob and Tyrell for joining us today. We really appreciate uh, you guys taking the time. Thank you. We want to thank uh, the Mesh Podcast Network for for hosting us as well. You can check out all the shows at TheMesh.TV and uh, see all the the stable of shows that they've got going on. And uh, we'll look forward again uh, to talking with you next month. Take care.